Hello and welcome to another episode of Marriage on a Tightrope. I'm Katie. I'm Alan. And we're still married. This week we are thankful for all of you. We're giving thanks we to are. all y'all. We're going to give our presentation that we did at Thrive just a couple weeks ago. And I know a lot of people wanted to hear it, couldn't be there. And so we thought that we would share it with all of you today. But first... A few announcements. So one we would like to do in, in the spirit of, of Giving Day. You know, last year we did a, a little drive on Giving Day. We participated and it was super helpful. Really, we, we only do one drive per year for, for donations. And this is the one. So this is really the only uh, mention that we're going to have on Tuesday, uh, November 30th on Facebook. We will be having a uh, a giving day post for Marriage on a Tightrope, so you can look for it there. You don't only have to donate through that if you'd like to donate to um, to say thank you for all the efforts that we've put into over the years for Marriage on a Tightrope. This is a great time of year to do it. You can do so by donating to Marriage on a Tightrope on Venmo. Yeah, you can. And it's as soon as you hear this message, you can start uh, giving and donating to the podcast. It takes a lot of time. It takes a lot of effort. And it really does help when we get donations in. And like Alan said, we really only do like one drive a year. And it's Tuesday, November 30th. We'd like to start today, which is Monday, November 22nd. And we would love to to hit a goal of $5,000 by Tuesday, November 30th, which is our giving day. So you can watch for that link in Facebook. But if you would like to donate to us, like Alan said, our Venmo is Marriage on a Tightrope. You can also go to mormondiscussions.org to make a donation on our behalf if you want it to be tax-free. Now, Katie, <coughs> ooh. <laughs> tax deductible. Tax deductible. Yes. So uh, you have an event in January that you're doing. Oh, my gosh. It's on January. It's in February. Oh, thank you. <laughs> so the date of our women's retreat is February 5th. Saturday, February 5th in Pleasant Grove, Utah. Uh, I've posted it in both the Facebook group and Instagram, uh, and we've announced it on the podcast, I think, once before. But we released, like, opened tickets, and holy cow, blown away. Most of it is filled. We had 100 spots, and almost all of them are gone. So if you want... Like, if you're thinking about it, I would say just go do it, grab your ticket, and I'm so excited to see all of you there. Based on some of the stuff that you're doing, like, you can't go above 100, right? We cannot go above 100. Because there's like a yoga and like a sound thing. What is what is Sound bath. Sound bath and yoga yoga class. So there is, space is actually physically limited. Right. We're not going to be able to just admit a bunch of people. Now, this is only for folks that have testimonies, right? No. No? No. You can be post-Mormon. You can? You can be nuanced. You're including everyone. What a tightrope-y thing of you to do. How dare I <laughs> and want to include anyone and everyone. Yeah, this so will be sign, for you. So how do they get a ticket? So you can go to our links in Facebook or you can go to our links in uh, Instagram and follow it. But it is through Eventbrite. If you would just like to go to the Eventbrite site and look us up, it's called the You're Not Alone Women's Retreat 2022. We'll have a link in the uh, show notes of this episode as well. Right. Can't wait to see all of you there. I think it's going to be fantastic. I can't wait to not see anyone. You actually will be there. You're my tech guy. 
Oh, really? Yes. Oh, okay. Well, then I'll be there. <laughs> Surprise. I weaseled my way into a women's retreat. Sounds fun. That's right. It'll be great. Do I get the sound bath too? No, that's oh, for the women who are shoot. coming, Alan. Come well, on. I do know this place stocks fridges with energy drinks, so I will have an energy drink free on the house. That'll be my payment. <laughs> okay, sounds okay, good. Fair enough. Uh, you guys, uh, we are just want to say in the spirit of Thanksgiving this week, thank you, thank you, thank you for all of your support over the years. For those of you who don't, who listen and no longer need the podcast, there are so many of you who just are interested in what happens with our story, and maybe maybe that's like more of a morbid thing. Like ooh. it's not morbid, but it's uh, like a voyeuristic. <laughs> maybe maybe that's it. <laughs> no, but honestly, like we recognize that marriage on a tightrope, mixed faith marriage in general, is a pit stop for the great majority of couples. And it can feel like a very long pit stop for some, for some couples where, you know, some couples we've talked to, they're having hard times and it's been 10 plus years. Other couples, they're in here for six months and then they're like, oh, we don't need this anymore. And the reason why they wouldn't need it is for a vast, a potpourri of reasons. Sometimes both spouses leave. Sometimes you heal through the trauma. One spouse still remains, but you've You've learned the ta- the strategies. You've you've gained those tools. You've built a community outside of what your community used to be, and it's just you're you're ready to move on. And that we completely understand that. Right, but there are so many of you who are brand new, just joining us, and you've binged all the episodes, and you're still looking for support. And so, welcome to those of you who are there, and thank you for those of you who have stayed with us for this long. We just. It like makes our hearts so happy. In fact, when we did this Thrive presentation, I was so nervous. Well, okay, backstory. Our kids had strep throat the entire weekend. Uh, My house was under construction. We were painting the cabinets. And so there was like no use of our living room or our kitchen. And it was just kind of that like a crappy weekend all, all the way around. On top of that, we were asked to speak at Thrive, and Alan went to a full day on Sunday of Thrive, but that's not really something that I could do, and so I stayed home with sick kids, and we we were on antibiotics for a good two or three days before I had Thrive, but I showed up like an hour before our presentation, and it was super nice. There were so many like people who are not uh, in a mixed faith marriage, but still like came up to us and said that they had somehow benefited from the podcast and had listened to us at some time. And everyone was so genuinely sincere in their approach to, at least to me. I know. Well, no, and people were really mean to me. So that's that seems likely. Yeah. No. So I mean, I know that Katie, you had a really tough time leading up to getting there. I mean, imagine not only are you presenting just the stress of presenting anything to two thousand people, even when they like agree with you on every aspect of your life. That's a stressful situation, and Katie's walking into a situation where most, not everybody, but most have left the church and they're there to like heal from something that Katie doesn't need to heal from. Yeah. I think I, am I the only person to ever speak that was an active member? Well, I called it out on the stage 
when we started, I didn't tell her I was going to do this. <laughs> but after we we started um, our presentation, like right at the beginning, Katie had the first line. I stopped and said, everybody, can we please give Katie a, a big round of applause for being the only believing, active believing member that is presenting at Thrive? And she got a standing ovation. It was super sweet. It was sweet and awkward. <laughs> I don't like attention. <laughs> you do not. Neither which do is, I. It's so funny. We're, we're both that way. So funny. I don't love attention. And here we are doing these presentations all over. Anyway, yeah. so just a backstory before we give our actual presentation, which is actually very quick. Um, we only had 15 minutes to do our TED Talk, as we call it. And I, Alan and I talked about how we should approach this this discussion or topic. And they kept saying, you know, what do you want to talk about? And we came up with a very simple, united in our differences, which could include so many different things. But I, I felt super strong that we needed to not talk about mixed faith marriage. People can go listen on the podcast to stuff like that. And you know what? The majority of our audience was not in a mixed faith marriage. However, a lot of them had loved ones or family members or friends who are still in the church, all in. And I mean, this is like, I feel like this is landing on the perfect week. We are spending time with these family and friends this weekend for Thanksgiving. And there can be some very awkward situations, especially if you aren't out publicly, especially if you haven't told your family, especially if it's new and fresh to your family and you're going to be sitting around the dinner table saying prayers, talking about what you're grateful for, and you can be very triggered, right, or feel very tender about some of the things that will be said at that dinner table about other people's beliefs. And you may feel that you aren't able to express yourself about how you feel and how your beliefs have changed. You're not going to feel like you can say that with your very orthodox family members or friends. And so I feel like this is such a timely message for everyone because hopefully the things that you learn in what we say with our TED Talk, you can take with you into your Thanksgiving weekend. Absolutely. Okay. So we have some visuals in front of us from our <laughs> slides, which are going to be attached Um We'll, we'll put the Google Drive link here in, in the show notes so you can look at these slides as well. But off to the races for United in Our Differences. 15 minutes starts now. I, I think I started with a funny joke. <laughs> yeah, you did. I did. I said, Alan, you told me that I was speaking at a church-wide event. Well, and then this is a church event. There, <laughs> that's the topic at hand. And if these walls were clear, we could probably see about 15 churches. Well, I see a lot of white people, and that's probably true, but I feel very overdressed. I'm in a dress. No one else was dressed up except for me. And, uh, well, I guess I'll still give You the... should just stick with okay. it. We're already here. Might okay. as well do it. Alan, if you ever leave the church, I will leave you. So this is something that I said to Alan early on when he started to tell me that he had questions about the church. And some things that he had learned. And to be fair, I did not know um, that 
that was going to be such a huge part of our marriage. I was coming from a place of fear. I don't remember even saying the words because I was a new mom. Alan told me on the couch at night when it was I was just sleep deprived. It was our fourth child. And it was like the worst possible time to tell me. So I don't really remember it. But if Alan says I said it, I totally believe him. And you weren't the only one coming from a place of fear. I think as many of us who have transitioned away that at the beginning, it can be extremely scary. You know, we're asking our questions, ourselves questions like, is everything that I've been taught actually true? Am I stripping away everything that I've been taught? Am I going to lose my marriage over this? Am I going to lose my family, my kids over this? And a, a question that was not unique to me, but not as many people had to ask themselves this question, just based on the time of life that I was asking it, is am I ever going to see my dad again? You know, about five years before my, well, about six months before this initial conversation, my dad was uh, struck and killed by a drunk driver. Now, he did live for about a week. And so, you know, this moment was very pivotal in, in my own faith faith journey where we found ourselves, uh, you know, I remember receiving that phone call from my brother saying, dad's been in a serious car accident and we're not sure how he's doing. He seems to have a, a spinal cord injury. Next day, they, they call me again and say, dad's going in for surgery tomorrow and they, they're not sure he's going to live through surgery. You need to get out here right away. Yeah, so we packed up our bags and literally the same day we left on an airplane to go to Georgia. He was staying at a hospital in Atlanta and we shared a picture of uh, Jim in the hospital. The only way he could communicate with us is if he held a pencil in his mouth and of course, the only thing that he could move was his head. And we asked him, Dad, what do you need? And he would point to the letters on a board and he spelled out to us new neck, which is just indicative of the person he was. Um, we did laugh and chuckle at that when he said it. And it was indicative of the person he was. He had a surgery a couple days later and after surgery, it was pretty apparent that he wasn't coming back as far as consciousness. He was completely unconscious. And we could only spend a week there, or at least that's what we had planned. And so the last time we said goodbye, I said to Alan, it feels like this is the last time we're going to see him. And so we said goodbye, which was heart-wrenching and difficult. And then we flew home. Less than 24 hours later, after getting back to Utah, we found ourselves on FaceTime saying goodbye to my dad with me and one sister and Katie watching on FaceTime and the rest of the family in the room with my dad. So we saw him take his final breaths, uh, assisted by a machine, of course, via FaceTime. And what an experience. We'll, we'll just leave it there. It was a quite the harrowing experience, soul-searching experience, and absolutely traumatic, of course, for everyone involved. And the reason why we bring all of this up is now we share on the screen a quote from my mom in episode 69 of Marriage on a Tightrope when I interviewed her, is she said, it was harder for me when my kids left the church 
than when dad died back in 2013. Ouch. Ouch. (laughs) Four of her six children, I'm one of them, uh, the most attractive but shortest of the four that left in 2017. And, you know, I know my mom better than anyone listening to this podcast, um, unless one of my siblings or maybe my mom is listening. (laughs) And I know that she doesn't have a mean bone in her body. She is loving and she is kind. So for me, when I heard her say this, instead of getting defensive or instead of saying, well, that is terrible and the church has conditioned you to feel this way and that's not true. And instead of feeling those things, I thought and felt this, I was next to her in the hospital the night before surgery and, or in the hotel rather. And, and she was a wreck. Of course, she was a wreck. Just so much stress, so much grief. And to hear her say this was like, this was worse than that? It really painted a picture. And it made me think, man, how can we have a good relationship? I want to make sure I don't handle this poorly. So that's what we're going to talk about. We wanted to talk about five strategies to become united in our differences. And specifically in our differences with our family members and neighbors. Now, I want to give a disclaimer right here that when there is trauma or abuse that has been suffered at the hand of a family member, a friend, or a spiritual leader, we are not talking about those relationships. There are some toxic environments and some toxic people that we obviously have to send boundaries around. However, having said that, there are lots of family members and friends that you may be close to that you want to still have a relationship with. And because of that, we wanted to talk about these strategies, especially before you all come together this weekend. That's right. So that first question you need to ask is how intimate do I want this relationship to be? Think of it as a scale of one to 10. I want a 10 with my mom. So I'm going to approach conversations with her very differently than the elders quorum president down the street who asks me to explain why I don't go to church anymore. Uh, Maybe I'm okay with a six or a seven, not because I don't love the dude, but he's not my mom. (laughs) And, And so I'm going to approach conversations with him very differently. So just ask yourself that as we go into these, these five different principles. So number one is time and patience. As cliche as it is, you'll hear it time and time again that These things take time. These events are traumatic for us, the ones experiencing the crisis or experiencing the transition away. And it's whatever amount of control there is in the situation, it's in our hands. Our loved ones, whether that's our spouses, our siblings, our parents, they are completely bystanding watching this happen. And they're going through their own grief grief process uh, that can be very difficult. You know, my mom, uh, she, she mentioned that when my children have offered to talk through things with me, when seeing how upset their decision was for me, that really helped me understand a little better all that was involved. This fits in with the time and patience because over the course of two or so years, um, we included her as best we could, not all of us and not all perfectly um, every step of the way, but as we could in, uh, include her in this process, it became a little bit easier for her. 
In fact, we asked our Marriage on a Tightrope group, if you had any advice to give others, what would it be? And we came up with this heart bubble of all the words and all of the advice given. And the number one outstanding word is time. I like some of the other words here, like love and focus and give and listen. Uh, those are also prominent in this heart bubble. But really, it is about time. You know, one thing also that Alan and I did in the beginning is when we said hurtful things to each other, we realized that that was our emotions speaking and not necessarily how we really felt, especially after time had passed. And so when we heard hurtful things from friends or loved ones, we decided to give them the benefit of the doubt. And that's number two. And that's number two. Give give them the benefit of the doubt. Most likely, the first reaction is the worst reaction, and not for everyone. However, for us, there were very many reactions that were very difficult. However, giving them the benefit of the doubt allowed us to love them where they were at. And of course, after time, they've come a long way and the relationship has become better. My mom shared a few other, you know, we asked her in preparation for this presentation, uh, what were some helpful things throughout this process and what were things that were very difficult? And giving her the benefit of the doubt helps when she shared a couple of those things. One was that comment about uh, when my dad died. The uh, two others, uh, one was it was very difficult to see posts on social media or comments made on posts that were against the church, its leaders, or the gospel. I wasn't the only one to do it, but I certainly was the loudest. So I know that this was a difficult thing for her and still remains difficult for her. And lastly, she said, some of the dynamics in our family have changed. I like the way it was and I feel a loss. Again, giving her the benefit of the doubt and letting her have her own emotions in this and not trying to push back against it uh, is something, I guess it's grace that I can offer to my mom intentionally. So next is leaning in. So how much can we lean in to the experience of our spouses, to the experience of our, our loved ones? With my mom, for example, she was a missionary at the, at, throughout the pandemic, like the pandemic swallowed her entire mission here in, in Salt Lake City. And we've talked about that uh, in previous episodes. But I, I share a picture here of the two of us on Temple Square just the day after the earthquake um, if we, re if those in Utah remember the earthquake, and it actually damaged the Salt Lake Temple where Moroni's trumpet fell. So the picture is me and my mom kind of fake crying, and with uh, the temple in the background, and Moroni does not have his his uh, trumpet. Uh, in that moment, me leaning in was being being sympathetic towards what my mom was experiencing. She was a missionary. Uh, she was alone, right? She's been living with my sister since my dad died, but she was living alone now uh, on a mission, something she's looked forward to for a long time. I could have gone in and ruined it by pointing out the irony of, of the temple being, of all things, of being damaged and Moroni's trumpet falling and could have made a joke about that, but I didn't want to do that. And leaning in is something that we can do and we have to ask ourselves, how comfortable are we going to church when our mom asks us to go for Easter or for Christmas. Or your wife. <laughs> or my wife. I know. I'm trying to focus on her. I know. It's true. Uh, you know, also leaning in means including them in rituals that you probably 
uh, wouldn't normally do in front of other family members. And let me explain that. So all of us, the, actually at church, right, there's lots of rituals. We go through baptism. We go through these um, rituals at home. And in this case, it was Father's Blessings, okay? So no longer do we do Father's Blessings. We, uh, right before school starts, we decided to do something different. And so we invited Alan's mom to come over. It was Sunday night, the day before uh, school. And we said to her, look, we're not doing Father's Blessings. However, we've written letters to the kids and we're going to read a letter to each one of them. And then, you know, what we would like to do is we'd like the kids, invite the kids to ask someone in the room to pray over them for well wishes and for whatever it is uh, that would be helpful for them for the new year of school. And so the next day after we did this, we got a text from Alan's mom. And she said, quote, last night was very sweet. I loved it. And it was so nice of Hayden, who is our son, to ask me to say the prayer for him. You have such a great family. I really enjoy all your kids. You and Katie are both great parents. I can see so much love from each each one of you for your family members or for each other. Anyway, close quote. So she sends that text and that was so meaningful to both of us because she was allowed to see into something that may be really hard, but um, accepted the way that we did it, which was a different way of doing it. And one of our sons included her and asked her to pray for him. And it was just this really sweet moment that Alan's mom got to participate in. And also it made me feel really good that she could see that we were still being super intentional with our parenting and we still loved each other. Number four is being direct and kind and sometimes Kindness is directness. Uh, my mom mentioned it was extremely hard to be excluded from the conversation. It was difficult to be told we're out without any prior discussion. She much would have preferred us to include her along the way in a direct way so that she understood where we were. Now, in the time that we have, we just want to give a few examples of what this means because Kindness does not mean holding back and you're not able to share what you feel. But there are ways that you can, different statements, for example, that, that can allow you to do that direct type of sharing in a kind way. So the for me statement. For me, this is how my experience has been. Um, I may disagree, but I can see where you're coming from. Uh, I know how hard this is for you. Thank you for talking with me about this. And none of this changes how much I love you. Uh, those, those phrases peppered in at the beginning, middle, and end of difficult conversations where you're talking to your loved ones about your uh, change of faith really can make these conversations a, a net positive instead of a net negative. Even if the leaving the conversation itself, it feels really, really difficult and even can be a negative right at the beginning. Okay, the last Strategy number five. Numero cinco. <laughs> Fostering curiosity. So, Anthony Magnabosco is a street, street epistemologist, and we interviewed him a while back. 
So you can go back and find that uh, episode we did with him. But one thing that he taught us was why it's important to ask the right questions to our loved ones when exploring where they're coming from and their own feelings and faith. And this really got us thinking about how we can foster curiosity with our friends and family and be interested, grateful, and uh, and just grow the relationship. So Alan's mom was a missionary here doing genealogy, and we found a lesson on upliftkids.org, plug for them because they're amazing. Uh, we found a lesson and it was all about your ancestors and how to connect with your ancestors and what characteristics and traits you might you have received from an ancestor. So we asked Alan's mom to come for a Sunday night lesson and to share some of the interesting journals or information about an- the ancestors directly related to my kids that we hadn't known before. And this is what she was doing as a missionary. And it was excellent, and it was so great for the kids to connect um, these ancestors with them and who they are and maybe why they are the way that they are. And this was a way that we could foster curiosity within our children. We could ask her to participate and really lean into that and ask all sorts of questions that really told us why this was so meaningful to her. And just like the the questions or the statements that you can ask in being direct and kind with fostering curiosity, there's some there's some pretty easy questions that you can that you can turn to. I want to make I, make sure I understand. For example, after someone says something, um, repeating it back to them is very powerful to make sure that you understood what they were trying to say. Uh, what has this been like for you? Again, making them the central focus of the conversation of their feelings coming to the forefront. What I'm hearing is dot, 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 is that right? And I'm happy to listen anytime. Uh, th- these are a few small statements that really can be helpful as we are, are trying to foster curiosity with those that we love. In the name no, of Jesus. <clears throat> no, no, we don't. We don't need to go there. That's how, uh, that's how Katie ended <laughs> She she started to close in the name and I stopped her mid stage and it got a pretty good applause and it was pretty hey, good laugh. I came up with that on my own. That was your joke. That was and my it, joke. And it was it, it killed. It was great. I think it's totally kosher for the believer <laughs> to be able to just poke fun a little bit at themselves. That is one of the things I miss the most about <laughs> believing is I can't make fun of it anymore in front of my family. I used to like tease my a lot of us did. A lot of, a us, lot of us teased us. ourselves. And, you know, know, low-key quote temple this or temple that, uh, quote hymns at inappropriate times. Like that that kind of stuff was so much fun. And now I can't do it because it seems like I'm being malicious and I'm not. It's offensive, Alan. You can't take away my comedy. Hey, everyone. Thank you for listening to this. Hopefully those five strategies that we shared at the Thrive presentation will help you in your relationships with your friends and family. Again, going into this weekend and think about things that you could share or say that would honor where you're at and honor where your family's at. That's the most important thing is family and friends. We're grateful for all of you. We're grateful that we uh, get to do this for so long and 
So many of you still want to listen. You're still around. <laughs> Dozens. <laughs> Dozens of you. <laughs> Thank you so much, everybody. We'll see you on the next episode of Marriage on a Tyro. We're going to see that it was better that we grew up together. Tell me you don't want to leave. Cause if change is what you need, you can change right next to me. When you're high, I'll take the lows. You can ebb and I can flow. We'll take it slow and grow as we go. Oh